respected, and a lot of people are talking about it, preaching about it. And I said, Lord, well, they know something I don't know. And he just told me to keep going with what I was going with, so hopefully that'll be okay with you today. I turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. Yeah, it's on the screen there. I'm sure you're there. I believe God's got a word for all of us over the next three Sundays. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. For this reason, hmm, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And obviously he was telling Timothy to stir something up, or we would have never said this. For the Spirit of God gave us not to be timid, not to be powerless, not to be loveless, not to be self-disciplined. For the Spirit of God makes us. He makes us powerful. Amen. I'm just reading it a different way. He makes us loving. He makes us self-disciplined. And more now than ever in this time, we need the gift of God to stir up in us. To where we can be of a sound mind. To where we can still have power. To where we can still have self-discipline. Amen. So obviously something was going on in Timothy for Paul to say, stir it up. And I've come by to tell us, I've been preaching on depression. I've already taught you about how to kill anxiety and fear. I was already ahead of COVID, amen? Or God was at least. Now I'm coming by to say, we got to stir something in us to kill all that junk in us, amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, have your way in this place. Don't let this just be a sermon. God, I think sermons are for Sunday. But I think messages are for eternity. Don't let it just be a Sunday sermon that we thought was good and we go home and forget it. Let it be a message that resonates in our soul. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen. I want you to understand, church, that God stirs things up to change us. Now, don't think COVID-19, okay? Think about different situations in your life. I believe God stirs things up because He wants to change us. See, and, and, and as your pastor, what I want you to do is I want you to stop resisting the stirring. Stop resisting the stirring by praying it away. No, God, obviously you're doing something in me. You're trying to stir something up in me. Because whatever God, whenever He stirs things up to change us, to take us from glory to glory, you can trust Him. And the reason you can trust Him is because His hand is in it, and when His hand is in it, He is accomplishing His heart. Are you hearing me this morning? So what I mean by that is on the screen is that His heart towards you is to stir you up, and usually in the stirring, He is trying to reignite a fire of faith, a, 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 a fire of faith work down in your soul. Are you hearing me? So no matter what you're going through, he's trying to bring a fire. He's trying to ignite a passion again inside of his people. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, when the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the deep, God spoke and said, let there be light. Now, why did he have to step in? He had to step in because there was chaos. He had to step in because there was confusion. He had to step in because there was darkness. And God began to move upon the face of the deep and he began to stir things up. Because when God moves in our lives, when he stirs things up, his stirring comes because there could be a darkness in us. There could be confusion in us. There could be chaos in us. There could be disobedience in us. There could be apathy in us. There could be sin in us. And since we are free moral agents, meaning we have a choice to either accept 
or deny God's stirring, if in those times we allow His stirring, the blessing of His light, the blessing of His power, the blessing of His glory, and the blessing of His anointing comes into our situation. Are you with me this morning? And if you don't believe me, look at the example of Jonah. Jonah was running away from God. He was on his way totally opposite of the destination that God had for him. And since he was rebelling against God and he was about to miss God, what did God do? God started stirring some things up in his life. And when he stirred those things up in his life, he was saying, my heart towards you is not to miss this. And guess what? Jonah didn't miss God's purpose because he allowed God to keep on stirring. Matter of fact, if you still don't believe me, the Bible says in Exodus that as an eagle stirs up her nest, so does God stir up his children. So God comes along sometimes when we're apathetic, when we're just coasting along thinking everything's going to be great, and he stirs up situations in our life to get us out of darkness, to get us out of chaos, to get us out of confusion, to get us out of apathy, that we may live in that environment that I've been talking to you about. This one is an environment of light that he desires from his heart to his children. Are you with me this morning? So listen to me, I'm telling you as your pastor, as I've watched things here currently, Christians need to be stirred again. We need to be stirred again. Because what I'm seeing, now it's none of y'all, because y'all are cream of the crop, top of the heap, right? What I'm seeing is families. I'm seeing cities. And I'm seeing that it all needs to be stirred. Because people for a while now have seemed spiritually asleep. Spiritually dead. Going to the church in their rut and routine as if they're in a coma. Falling asleep in the service. Life and power has gone out of the children of God. People walking around, coming into churches with no enthusiasm, no hope, no power, no intensity. Entire families falling asleep. And the Bible says, while men, somebody say men. While men fell asleep, the enemy came and he planted tares amongst the wheat. And I'm telling you as your pastor, when God's people fall asleep, They lose their power, and when you lose your power and your anointing and your glory, the enemy can come in and do anything he wants to do in your life. So it's time to get stirred up again, because if you fall asleep, you are spiritually. If you fall asleep spiritually, you are vulnerable to thieves, because baby, if they caught you awake full of the Holy Ghost and full of power and full of fire, you would have defended yourself with the word and with prayer and kicked the devil right out of your house. Can you say amen this morning? Somebody say, stir me up. Now, i got to be careful here because I, I don't want to offend anybody. But understand with me, it is difficult to understand the feeling of what it's like to be stirred up with the fire of the Holy Ghost when you hang around people that are not stirred up. Only a couple people said that's right because they know what I'm talking about. Let me say that again. You, you don't really know the feeling of what it's like to be in fuego for God. I get that right. Oh, I'm bilingual, y'all. Wee wee. (laughs) Anyway. Better not wee wee in my pants. Ain't got enough toilet paper around here. When you've never been stirred up by God, it's kind of hard to know the feeling of being stirred up when you hang around people that have never been stirred up. Look, we know what a fireplace is, right? Many of you still have them. We know what wood stoves are like. We still have them. And back in the day, my daddy taught me. He said, son, won't you go ahead and bank up that fire? I'm like, what? He said, yeah, take all the ashes and all the coals and bank it up into a pile. I was like, well, why would you do that? He's like, we won't have to put any logs on it throughout the night. 
Just in the morning, all we have to do is we have to go in there and kind of stir it up. And that heat and that coal will ignite another log if we just put some air to it. All right, did anybody know what I'm saying? Okay, all right. So when you stir it up, the air hits it. And when the air hits it, it's ignited again. And what I'm telling you is we need to be stirred because we have allowed the rut and we have allowed the routine of coming to church and singing the songs and giving the offering and listening to the pastor. We have been banked up and what it's done, it has quieted us down and it has kept us calm. There's still some heat in there, but we need the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow through the church again and ignite us on fire again. We've been sedate for too long. It's not that you don't have any fire in you. You do. You just come in sedate. And we're not the fire that we used to be. And we need to be the fire now in these times. And it's time for the church of America to be stirred up and show that God is strong. Amen? So God usually comes in and stirs some things up. I don't know if that's what he's doing now. Maybe he is. I I can't tell you. But God occasionally stirs things up for bringing you to a place in your life that now you're ready to receive what God has for you. But I warn you, if you allow Him to stir you up and you get on fire for God, it will create a problem. Don't worry, that's not COVID, okay? It will create a problem. Are you hearing me today? Why will it create a problem, Pastor? Because you're going to find it now uncomfortable to be around deadbeat people. Are you hearing me today? If you are on fire from God, it's going to be uncomfortable to get around deadbeat people. And being stirred up, it can mess with your mind. It didn't bother you before to be around deadbeat people. Now all of a sudden it bothers you. It didn't bother you before because you were complacent and apathetic with them. But now you said, set me on fire and stir me up. Now God comes in, he stirs you up. And now dead people give you a rash. You don't want to be around them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or is it just me? A couple of you, okay. Listen, you are not going to find me hanging around a graveyard. I will never be found hanging around a graveyard unless I'm doing a funeral. And the reason you won't find me hanging around the graveyard is because I'm not dead. I'm not dead. I don't want to go and hang around a graveyard. If there's nothing, I'll go there for a while, but I'm not going to hang around there because if there ain't nothing going on, I'm out. And what I'm finding in the church of America, not this church, but what I'm finding is some people don't mind sitting in a spiritual mortuary. They don't mind it. They don't mind going to a church that is entombed with religious indifference. Surrounded by a body of cold Christians. And before too long, if you live in a mediocre situation and hang around apathetic people, you too will lose your fire. Are you hearing me? Why do you think the angel in the Bible said, why are you seeking the living amongst the dead? There was a reason for that. Sooner or later, as believers, we must come out from amongst the dead. So today, I'm declaring to you as Northfield Church, now is the time, if Christ truly be in you, you need to ask God to stir something in me that was once alive and hungry for you. I want to be on fire again. Can you give him praise? And I know, I know, I'm hearing it right now in the spiritual realm. Some of you like, now, now, pastor, there you go again. You were calm for a while. It doesn't take all that excitement stuff, pastor. I don't know about all that. (laughs) Oh, well, I won't even get into that. Look, look, I know people think that when you're stirred and on fire, you're a fanatic. Oh, that's that fanatical church. I'd rather be fanatical all day long than than dead. Amen? I bet you you've got some friends. You've got some friends that think you're crazy that you're even at this particular church today. 
Ain't that one of them spirit-filled churches? Why is your pastor always trying to ignite a flame in that church? See, what they don't understand, if they would just attend this church once and taste and see that the Lord is good, they'd be like, what in the world was I doing in a dead church all along? Come on and give him praise. Say it again. Say, stir me up. Listen, when you get stirred, people don't get on your nerves as much. When you're on fire for God, people at work don't get on your nerves so much. When you get on fire for God, your husband don't get on your nerves so much. How do you think she's kept up with me for all these years? Are you hearing me? Why don't they get on your nerves? Because now you're coming into the environment with the fire. Are you hearing me? And that's how we have to come in. When you allow God to stir you, when you allow the Holy Spirit to breathe on you again, now something inside, you don't know what it is, but in your spirit you're electrified, you're excited, you're motivated. From Sunday to Sunday you stay motivated. Now you're walking on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday in a power and a glory and anointing and you're going into the enemy's camp and you're taking back what he's trying to steal from you. Can I hear an amen in this house today? Now let me get really down to what I came by to tell you. Look on the screen. Pastor, why do you want us to be stirred so much? Why, Pastor? Why, 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 why? Because your children right now needs to see a generation on fire. Are you hearing me? You hearing me, Mason? Children's workers, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, listen to me. Your children right now need to send a generation on fire, not a generation wringing their hands and going, oh my God, what are we going to do? Buy all the toilet paper! (laughs) What's interesting to me about 2 Timothy is we see the Apostle Paul talking to his protege, Timothy. Here's Paul, the mentor to Timothy. And what's interesting to me, look at 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. Look at what he says. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmama, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. Now, look what he says. He says, I am persuaded. How is he persuaded? Obviously, he sees something. He sees something in Timothy that he can see that he says, now I am convinced it lives in you. And church, do not miss this. Do not miss this. Many of you in here, the faith of your grandmother and the faith of your mother has fallen down into you. Do not let anything squash the fire in you that she placed in you. Are you hearing me? And I understand because I was the same way. Some of the stuff that I thought they were silly for back then, Now, I was in a Pentecostal Holy Ghost house. So my mom would have prayer meetings. And they'd get in the prayer meetings and they'd start worshiping in the living room. No song. Crying, tissue flying, speaking in tongues, and casting out the devils. And I'd walk in the room and I'd think they were nuts. The things that they taught me that I was good at rebelling against. The things that they taught me, the very stuff that made me sit up under them and say they are crazy and I can't wait till I'm grown to get out of their rules. The stuff that I said was crazy, it now lives in me. (laughs) The fire of their faith has fallen down into me. And I know many of you has fallen down into you. There's some of you in here, you were second and third generation of faith. It could be your grandmother that prayed for you. Could have been your uncle, your auntie that prayed for you. Now there are those of you that you, you know you never had saved parents. You don't even know where Revelation or Genesis or First Timothy is in the Bible. But you came across somebody and you met a person. And that person began to challenge your faith. 
began to challenge your perspective, began to challenge your thinking. And what they were doing is they were standing in the gap between you and God and now they are pouring into you. And the faith, no matter how it came, whether it be through a mentor, a grandmother, or a mother, or an aunt, or an uncle, it's passing down to you and it's not time for you to stop. Are you hearing me this morning? Look, I get so stinking tired of listening to people talk about generational curses. Let's break the generation, let this generation curse, that generation curse, 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 curse. Look, I think we ought to know about them. We see them. It's prevalent sins in families. It could be an entire family that, that everybody in the family got divorced. It could be entire families that drugs and alcoholism just, just sweeps through the family and takes people down. It could be those families that every single man in the family beats their spouse. It's considered a generational curse. I get that. We need to understand them. But when I look at this scripture in Timothy, I don't know about you, but something begins to ignite in me and inspires me that I'm tired of the devil trying to put a generational curse on my family. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to be a curse breaker and tell the devil, not another one in my family. Come on and give him praise in this place. Every one of you, you know what's prevalent in your family. But it's time for you to be stirred. It's time for you to be stirred. And when you get stirred, you get a fight. Any fighters in this house? When you get stirred, there's a fight down in your spirit that makes you want to quote scriptures all over the house. Now that we got this enemy, we're going to be quoting some scriptures over that enemy. But guess what? We're going to break the curse and we're going to push it out of their life. Is there any curse breakers in here today? You know what some of you ought to do? You ought to stay married just to spite the devil. <laughs> Be stubborn enough to show the devil you will not get me. You got my mama. You got my daddy. You got my aunt. You got my uncle. But you will not get my marriage. And that's what it means in the scripture. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. You know what I'm trying to raise up here? But me, people. Seriously. I'm trying to raise y'all up to be but me people. You know what a but me person is? A but me person is everybody drinking my family, but me. Everybody divorced in my family, but me. Everybody drank alcohol, but me. I'm a but me type of person. Time to break the cycle, y'all. Somebody say, I'm a curse breaker. If you get stirred up enough, I promise you, even if it means standing alone in your family to be a but-me person, you can break the cycle and start a brand new tradition in your house. Amen? So talk about generational curses all you want to. I'm going to be talking about a generational blessing. I want to pass down a blessing. Amen? I want the ability to lay my hands on my children and say you're blessed from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. I take it seriously when the Bible says the fruit of my body is to be blessed. Listen to me now. Listen to my words carefully. Do not miss my words. When Jesus is the Lord of your life, He will bless your descendants. I said, Lord of your life. I didn't say because you were saved. If he is the Lord over your life, he will bless your descendants. He will bless cells that haven't even been consummated yet. You don't believe me? The Bible says that while Levi was still in the loins of Abraham, Levi paid tithes to Melchizedek. Abraham hadn't even had Isaac yet, which was the father of Jacob, which Jacob was the father of Levi. No lineage yet, but God was already keeping track of the unborn seed, saying the promises and the blessing is going to be passed down through this family because they made me the Lord. We got any pregnant people in here? You, 
You're pregnant with the word, brother. I'm talking about really pregnant. You need to be laying your hands on that belly. And is it a boy or a girl? What's his name? Maverick. Say, Maverick, you are blessed from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. I just speak blessings over you. If you got a little child, you need to look at them and say you are blessed from the top of your head all the way down to the sole of your feet. That little baby walking back, you are blessed all the way from the top of your head to the sole of your feet if you make him the Lord of your life. Are you hearing me? Some of you need to be laying your hands on yourself going, I'm blessed from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. Amen? You don't need to come to this altar and me lay your hands on you. Be Walking into work. I'm blessed from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. Ha! Oh, you go to Northfield. <laughs> Listen to me. And don't miss, don't miss my words. If I am blessed because he's the Lord of my life and I'm obedient to his word, my children will be blessed. It's a generational blessing. They're blessed in the name of Jesus. Look at the screen. When King David said, my cup runs over, what was he talking about? He was talking about the blessings of God running over and passing down to his children. So if God is the Lord of your life, everything connected to you should be blessed. Matter of fact, in the Bible, he even tells people, wherever you step your feet, it shall be yours and be blessed. And baby, if my feet can bless dirt, certainly my mouth can bless my children. Come on and give him praise in this place. If my cup runs over, where does it run over to? The answer's on the screen. It runs over into what? Y'all forgot what this is? Y'all don't ever bring out little cups? See, y'all ain't passing down things. That's a saucer, y'all. Guess what your children are? Saucers. They're little saucers. And your little saucer is waiting on you to stir something up in you to be obedient, to make Jesus the Lord, not just your Savior. Why? So that your cup can overflow onto your children. We ought to be leaking blessings and dripping blessings and spewing blessings, even spit if we have to, Randy. Did y'all see it come out? I'll spew on you, but it's anointed spit, I promise you. Amen. May have a little COVID mixed in it, but you'll be all right. Stir me up, Jesus. Whatever happened to Timothy's grandmother Lois and, and his mother Eunice, whatever it was, it passed down. And it reproduced itself in Timothy. Amen? Matter of fact, God gives us that first peak when God dealt with uh, uh, Abraham. He calls him the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Saying, my promises are going to come to you and to you and to you. To the God of your grandfather. To the God of your father. And to the God of you. It faith passes down. Blessings pass down. And this may be a little heavy for some of you. But there's some of you in this room. You're getting the answer to grandmama's prayer. You hearing me? There's a grandmother that prayed for you. I've got a Bible that my grandmother wrote. She said, I've been praying for you all your life. I'm reaping things now that my grandmother prayed for me. How do you know, Pastor? If things just start popping in your life that you don't even know where they came from, blessings just hitting your life, you don't even know how they got there, you don't even deserve that blessing, but you find yourself coming into the blessing, I bet you it's your grandmother's cup spilling over into your saucer. Are you hearing me? Someone may have planted it in prayer, but you're going to reap the benefit of it later on. There's something that one of your family members did long ago. They didn't see it. They died in their faith. But God held to his promise and placed it on you. The answer just came and you're living your parents' or grandparents' prayer. Amen? Now watch this. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 1. Luke writes this. He said, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Notice with me Jesus didn't finish it. 
Jesus began it. The teaching didn't end when Jesus went up into the sky. The teaching is still going today. Why? Because the apostles kept it going. The Spirit of God kept that fire burning in Christians that said, I feel called to be a preacher. I feel called to impart into somebody. I feel a fire shut up in my bone, and i got to get it out. Are you hearing me this morning? How many of you want your kids to enter into the labor of your faith work? All right, all right, all right, all right. Look at Revelation 14, 13 on the screen. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from henceforth, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. I don't know about you, but I want all of my faith work, and I want all of my faith fire living in my daughters and my son. Are you hearing me? And many of the things that your kids and my kids will be able to do in the spiritual realm, in spiritual warfare, in times of crisis, will be from you teaching them how to pray and apply the Word of God to any and every situation. Are you hearing me? But we've got to have a faith fire and a faith work burning inside of us. Are you hearing me? Because Revelation says long after you're gone, your kids should still be using the things that you taught them about God. How many of you are still living up under some of your mom and grandma's wisdom? I know I am. I always use mama's quote. Baby, whatever you do, follow wisdom and love. And always follow peace. I'll never forget it. Why? She told me it about 152 times. But everything I do is motivated by love follow wisdom and if peace ain't it and I'm out are you hearing me there are things that many of your parents taught you a long time ago you're still using it today and that's why I want to encourage you through this series stir something up in you allow a generational blessing to come over your house commit something into the hands of your children and long after you're gone they're going to still hear your voice in their ear amen and that voice may be the very thing that gets them out of trouble And that's exactly what the faith of Lois and Eunice was. That was what was in Timothy. That was what was passed down. And Paul was saying, the faith work and the faith fire that was in your grandmother and in your mother, he said, I am persuaded, now lives in you. But we cannot... Let me ask you this first. Look at the screen. (coughs) We must see faith work and faith fire living in our children. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Is your conduct currently and is your behavior currently a curse or a blessing to your children? <laughs> got, got real quiet. I mean, could you get back to that fire stuff and get excited and start spitting all over the place, Pastor? I mean, seriously, look at your life. Is your conduct And your behavior a curse or a blessing to your children? Because it should be a blessing to them. Listen to me. Your personal holiness. What you were like when you leave the four walls of this church. I know you come in here looking all good. But when you leave the four walls of this church. And they get on your nerves and you cuss them out. Is it a blessing or a curse? Because our personal holiness. Somebody say personal holiness should be what's passed down to our kids. In obedience to His Word and making Him the Lord of your life, guess what it produces? Godly conduct. Godly behavior. And that is the blessing that is being passed down that in turn blesses your children and blesses their children. Are you hearing me? And what I want you to understand is that some children, I understand, Believe me, I understand. They will fight you. But look at me. I got good news for you. Look at me. You ready? They can't win. (laughs) Now, some of y'all don't believe me. And those of you that don't believe me, you probably ain't got, got godly conduct and godly behavior. But if you've got godly conduct and godly behavior and you're following the word, 
They can't win. You mean prove it? Look at the screen. The other screen. Train up a child, that one, in the way they should go. And when he is, when he is what? You mean not when he's a teenager? When he's what? He will not depart from it. Notice he didn't say nothing about that nasty middle. How many of you got some nasty middles in your house? Yeah, we, we've had them too. We've got some nasty ones now. Anyway, yeah, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. The Bible says this. You raise him upright with good godly behavior and good godly conduct, and you make the Lord over your life. Not just bring them to church and go home and be the devil. Don't just bring them to church and hope they'll get a little spirituality, and then I go home and I treat them like I am the Antichrist. I'm talking about you treat them, you be obedient to the word, you do what's right, and in the end, they will come up to where you're at. Amen? You don't believe me? Even the prodigal wandered off. He wandered off, but the Bible says he came to his senses and he came back. And some of y'all's kids, they've wandered off, but in the end, they're going to come to their senses because they're going to say, wait a minute, I'm too blessed to be this cursed. Are you hearing me this morning? So Paul says that a blessing is passed down from Lois to Eunice to Timothy. But watch this because he says something very important. He says, yeah, the faith was passed down. But obviously, Timothy, something's going on in you right now. That you need to stir up the flame of the gift of God of me laying on your hands. Because something was going on in Timothy or he would have never said God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity and fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, Timothy. I see it in you. And as your pastor, I see the fire in all of you. But I see it being banked up and sedated. And in these times, do not be fearful. Do not lose your mind. Do not lose your mind. Be self-disciplined. Follow God and ask Him to stir up the fire in you. Amen? I guess only that section really believes me today. Paul is saying it is your responsibility, not your pastor's. It's not your pastor's job to get on fire and preach a, a hot message to where you can get excited and go, Woo, isn't our pastor on fire? <laughs> yeah. No, stir it up in you. Because when you stir up your faith, when you awake from your slumber, that's when the demons in your life start trembling. Are you hearing me? Satan, for some of you, and I got a testimony last week that he was doing this to somebody. He's trying to convince some of you that you don't have anything down in you. He's trying to convince you that you are less. He tries to convince you that you are unable. He will point out all the weaknesses in your life, the failures in your life, what you didn't do for your kids, what you did for your kids, how you raised them, how you didn't raise them. But all that's in the past. The fire's there now. There's something valuable inside of you right now. Did you hear me? There is a fire down in you right now. And when you understand that, the first thing it should announce to your soul is there's a treasure in me. Because listen, many of you have enough teaching out of me inside of you. You've got enough to work with, but now it's your turn to stir it up and activate what I've planted in you for the past eight years. Amen? Uh, Pastor, could you tell me what you planted in me? His word. His word. His word is in you. And his word is the treasure. His Holy Spirit is the treasure. And I understand you come in here and it feels like it's buried beneath weakness. It's buried beneath troubles. It's buried beneath depression. It's buried between what people said, what people didn't say, who left you, who didn't say, oh my God, what Fox News is saying, oh my word, national emergency, oh my word, no food on the pantry. It's all up under there, but still his word is still a treasure up under all of that trash. Come on and give him praise.
in this place today. His word, his spirit is still a treasure, y'all. There's a faith inside of you. There's a word inside of you. But baby, now's the time to stir it up. And stirring it up, listen to me. Stirring it up means I know there's something in me. I know I have faith in me. I know I have the word in me. But now I have to recognize that I got to break through barriers to activate that. And let me tell you, you may have to break through the barrier of the excuse of not reading the word faithfully. You may have to break through the barrier. I think I'm going to sleep in on Sunday. I've been working so hard. And break through that barrier. You may have to break through the barrier. It feels like my prayers are just hitting the ceiling. They ain't hitting the ceiling. That's what the enemy's trying to convince you is going. You, you're going to have to break through the barrier of generational teaching that told you, don't express yourself in worship. You know, you don't raise your hands in worship. You don't get all excited like that crazy pastor does. Generational teaching that taught you, oh, don't you go down to that altar. You expose who you really are. You've got, you've got a name in this community. Don't let them see you sweat. You're going to have to break through generational teaching that taught you this is how church should be. No, baby, there ain't no definition of how church should be. We're probably not even living how church was. Amen? Why? Because we're not on fire enough. Are you hearing me? But if you can break through the barrier... You, look, look, look. <laughs> Some of our lives may look ashy, but we're going to have to break through that ash, stir something up, let the spirit blow again, and let the flame start burning inside of us again. And I understand right now, I understand right now, it's trying to knock the wind out of us. All the, I mean, each week, something different. Disney clothes? Oh my goodness. It must really be bad if Disney closed. Trials, trauma, trouble, another newscast, another community spread. Right now, the enemy is trying to make our lives look ashy. Some of us they may look at the fireplace of our life and they may look at us and say, y'all are ashy. And they may look at us and say, it looks all burned up on you. Ain't no faith there. It's used. It's over. All the atheists are going, it's closing the churches. Alrighty. The devil thinks he's winning. But what the devil didn't take from me is my poker. And all I got to do is keep poking that ash until I find that coal. And when I find that coal, I say, Holy Spirit, blow. Holy Spirit, blow. Ignite the fire in me again. Come on and give Him praise in this place. The devil's making a mistake when he's looking at us and saying it's over. The Christians will never be nothing. The devil thought he's leaving us ashy without any fire. But what he doesn't know, there's still something down inside of us. And all I got to do is say, God, stir it up. Come on. God, stir it up. Can I just tell you something? Can I just be real? I just, we got time. I mean, nobody wants to go out in the community anyway, right? We ain't got no face masks. We might as well stay in here. I'm funny about where I go to church. When I go on vacation, and it's 1,500 miles away, we stop at a lot of gas stations. I don't care if it's 710, fast lube, whatever it is. I'll just stop at a gas station because to me, gas is gas. But I won't stop at any church. You know why? Because all I'm doing is putting gas in the car. But when I go to church, they're putting gas in my soul. So I'm picky about who I allow to speak to my soul. Are you hearing me? 
When it comes to my soul, I'm careful who I let fool with it. And I don't know about you, but I don't have time to get dressed up and come out on Sunday morning to play around. That's why I want, me personally, when I go somewhere, I want to be up under a preacher that stirs me up so that I can live off what he taught me on Sunday. So now I'm living on it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. By Friday, I'm telling people at the end of the day, you need to come to my church on Sunday because God is stirring something up. If you would just taste and see that the Lord, there's still a fire in me on Friday. Are you hearing me? Amen. I know people don't like me talking about churches, but I personally don't want to go to the first church of the Frigidaire. That's why me and my wife usually sit on the front row, because mummies don't sit on the front row. I don't want to be on a row with the walking dead. I don't want to be on a row trying to sing a hymn with a corpse. I want to be in a church where the Spirit of God is moving, where there's life and excitement and vitality from the preacher and enthusiasm starts breathing inside of me to where if I did come in a little bit dead and a little bit crusty, and at least by the time I'm leaving the doors, I got a pep in my step going, Hey, ho, the devil's got to go. Hey, ho, the devil's got to go. Hey, ho, the devil's got to go. Say it with me. Hey, ho, the devil's got to go. Hey, ho, the devil's got to go. Amen. Come on. I want that kind of fire burning in this church. Can I get to my two points? Can y'all tell this has been in me for a long time? Been having to hold off of it. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll hurry. I know it's 11.50. <clears throat> Y'all ain't got no food anyway. There's no food in the store. <laughs> I want to show you two things. I, I think I got 20 more pages. God, <laughs> look at the screen. God stirs up people to change lives. <clears throat> when we lived in Florida... A hurricane never came to our house and asked me to vote. Never said, do you want me to hit Port Charlotte or not? It didn't ask me, did you want me to hit your house or your neighbor's house? It just came in and it wreaked havoc. It just tore things up. Stuff you didn't want to get wet got wet. Why is the hamster drenched? I mean, things would just get wet. Things that you thought you tied down are four blocks away. Because when it comes in, it wreaks havoc. But after the havoc, you start watching and everything becomes new. All the old is gone and now the new has come. I desire for this church to be a hurricane church. What do you mean, Pastor? I want people to walk in one way and the hurricane of the Holy Spirit blow over their lives and old things start dropping off of them and the new life of Jesus Christ comes into them. And I get it. The preaching may be uncomfortable. Yes, the worship may get emotional. Yes, whatever I say, the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of your heart and you're crying in service. But sometimes in order to get a shift in people's life, a spiritual hurricane has to come. It's got to break out havoc over here to where you can eventually have heaven over here. Are you hearing me? Because there are some of you that you went from havoc to heaven simply by coming to this church. You were living in hell... You came to Northfield, God got a grip on your soul, and now you're saying, Lord, I'm glad I went to Northfield because now the old is gone and the new is come. Are you hearing me? So I want this to be a hurricane church, and what I'm trying to raise up is the next point, is God stirs up entire places to change comfort zones. 
Now stay with me in this because I want you to hear me. I believe we're going to be a hurricane church because I think we got hurricane people. But what we got to be careful of is our rut and routine. Because in the eighth book of the chapter of Acts, the disciples kept going back to Jerusalem. Anytime trouble hit, they went back to their comfort zone. Why? Because it's the place where God originally moved. It's the place where God blessed them. If you don't know your Bible very well, Jesus sent a group of men to Jerusalem and to wait. They waited in this upper room, and you can read in the Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit moved upon them. The disciples were filled with fire. They were filled with passion. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And a great move of God started to happen. But anytime something moves in a great way, we like to hang around that spot. There's some of you that told me, right over here, Pastor, is where I got saved. That's where the, I got the tingly winglies in the Holy Ghost. And I'm like over here going, I don't feel nothing. They remember the spot, and when things get uncomfortable, we revert back to the spot. That's why anything that challenging comes to disciples, they went back to Jerusalem. Should we keep the Sabbath or not? Let's go back to Jerusalem and see. Should we circumcise all these new believers? Let's go back to Jerusalem to find out. And what I want you to see is this, is what began as a blessing became a tradition. Now I want to point something out in Scripture. Look at Scripture. The Bible says this on the screen. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down. Are we handing down church and the church experience? Or are we handing down faith and fire? Because it's two different things. If it's just church and a song we sing and a word we heard and we check it off, we nullify the power of God that's trying to move in this place. But if we seek after the power and the glory and the anointing and we seek after His face instead of His hand, and we come here on fire for Him to stir us, God's going to move in a great and mighty way. But they kept going back to the place of blessing. They kept going back to a comfortable place. They kept going back to a, a safe place. Let me make it relevant for you. How many of you are stress eaters? Some of you don't want to admit it, do you? I can tell you're a stress eater. <laughs> I'm a stress eater, y'all. It's comfort food, right? Why? That's why everybody's buying groceries. And a lot of toilet paper. Because when we get stressed out, we say things like, make me some cookies. Make me a cake. How many of you have ever heard anybody stressed out and go, oh, I'm so stressed today, give me a Caesar salad. I'll take a Caesar salad with a fried pork chop with a big old fluffy biscuit and put so much butter on it, it's like Niagara Falls coming down. And while you edit, give me some corn on the cob, so much butter that when I put it up to my mouth, it runs down my arm. And while you edit, give me a Diet Coke. Because what we hope is the acid in the Coke will nullify the calories in our stomach. But we're stress eaters, y'all. Comfort food. And that's why God said, preach on. Because most people want to find a comfortable place. A comfortable little prayer. Give me my comfortable little worship. Preach me comfortable in this time. Because when I feel threatened, I just want a comfy place. I don't think that's what God's doing with the church. Because see, when it got too comfortable in Jerusalem, the disciples kept going back to the comfortable place. So guess what God did? God sent Saul to wreak havoc on Jerusalem. And when havoc was reached and wreaked on the comfortable place, everybody got out. 
Are you hearing me? I don't know what God's doing. But I believe in the midst of it, the good that can come out is that His people get on fire again. Let me tell you something. When it got too comfortable and they moved out, God made it uncomfortable. And if we want to stay in a comfortable place, He may increase our discomfort just to stir us up. So for those in this room that your life is this motto, Pastor, if is it at one thing, it's another. Seems like every time something good happens, something bad happens. If that is your sentence in your life, as soon as I get out of this, I get into that. If that is the sentence that's coming out of your mouth, let me tell you, God's stirring you up. He's stirring you up to get you out of comfortable. Look on the screen, because this is what Job said. He said, I thought I will die in my own house. He was rich, he was blessed, he was healthy, wealthy, and wise. He had a good name, a good reputation, great family, great kids. I thought I would die in my own house. You know what he was saying? What we're saying right now. I didn't think anything would ever change. I didn't think anything would ever change. Here we are just last week going along, living our life, and now all of a sudden everything is changing. How many of you know Job was wrong? How many of you are realizing we're wrong too? Everything is changing right now. And sometimes Hurricane Jesus comes in. And he will move everything in our life to stir us up again. And I want somebody to understand that the hurricane may be hitting our life. But it's not just a hurricane. It's God moving and he wants to move out the old and he wants to bring in the new. God wants to take his children and move them out of a comfortable place, move them out of religious traditions, move them out of things and stir us up once again. And when the hurricane comes, you can either just remain sedate and let the fire be dormant, or you can allow him to stir the fire in you again. I close with this. Can you imagine what the devil's thinking right now? He's thinking, I got them right where I want them. They're all going to break. They're all going to collapse. They're all going to cry. And they're all going to whimper. But let's prove him wrong. Because he's going to find this church standing in the midst of a hurricane with our hands lifted up, saying, stir me up, God. Wreak havoc all you want but stir me up God are you hearing me today and the devil's going to think that we are one crazy church he's going to think Northfield has lost its mind I got you but as soon as he sees God stirring us up and the fire rising up from the ashes he's going to tuck his tail and run like an old yard dog are you hearing me today now I want you to watch this watch this and I'll get out of here I promise you I promise you I promise you when God stirred up Jerusalem a place, he was also stirring up a person by the name of Philip. Because the Bible says Philip went down to Samaria. Are you hearing me? Don't miss this. When a whole city over here was wreaking havoc, there was another city waiting on a man. And God sent Philip down. And that whole city was waiting on Philip. And Philip would have never gotten to that city unless God stirred him up as he was stirring that city up. And this is what I would close with on the screen. Wonder what God has waiting on this city. And wonder what God has waiting on your kids if in this time we're living in, we allowed him to stir us up in the fire once again. Stand to your feet all over this place. I don't know what God's doing, but I think this message was timely for where we're in. If you're walked in this place and you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
I'd recommend now would be a great time to do that. If He's not your Lord and Savior, but you want Him to be, would you raise your hand all over this place, Pastor, I just want Jesus in my life. I want to make sure my heart is right. I want to make sure if I were to die today, for whatever reason, I'd make it to heaven. Anybody in this place, if that's you, raise your hand high. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? (coughs) Anybody else? As the Spirit of God is moving, anybody else want to make Him my Lord and Savior? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray this prayer with this man. Say, Father, come into my life. I accept you as the Savior of my soul. Because I believe you died on the cross for me. Give me the power. Give me the fire to make you the Lord of my life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Can you give that big guy a hand clap? (coughs) Glory. Hallelujah. We're going to end this service with whatever Melissa wants to play. This altar is open. Next week, we're going to dive even deeper into this stirring up. And, And what we're going to find in the Bible is a generation that didn't have the faith work and faith fire. And they didn't know what to do. So I showed you today the importance of pouring into our kids. Next week I'm going to show you the problem when we don't pour into our kids. You hearing me? Some of you may need the fire of God. What I would recommend to you if you're leaving, make sure you put your offering in the bucket if you can stay and worship with us. I just want you to worship right where you're at. And I just want you to pray that God would stir the fire in your soul. That he would set you on fire again for whatever has died out for whatever has become today. Only you know. Maybe it's Bible reading, maybe it's prayer, maybe it's church attendance, maybe it's giving, maybe it's serving in the church, whatever it is. He wants to resurrect something in you. He wants to ignite the fire in you again. You may want to come to this altar and ask Him to set you ablaze. I don't know. You may want to do it right there. I don't care. What I want you to do is I don't want you to rush out like you've got to get somewhere. Now, some of you may have to. But I want you to take this time in your personal space in the presence of God. Contemplate what I taught today and ask Him to stir your soul. Are you with me? Let me pray for you. Father, put a hedge of protection around all of us. Keep us safe as we go about our week, Father God. We just pray that the news would change to our favor, Lord, and that we'd see a shift in this thing. And Father God, we're going to come back here next week if allowed. And Father God, we're going to continue in this vein of stir it up. Now I pray anybody in this room that their fire has died. There's a fire in their soul. There's a fire down deep in them. But if they look a little bit ashy, if Father God, that banking up of the ashes have made them hot but not in fuego, I just pray right now, God, that you would stir it up in them. Let the Holy Spirit blow on this place. Let it ignite again. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Let's worship with her. No place I would rather be. Hallelujah. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. Than here in your love. Than here in No place I would rather